I'm about to invite uh, Pastor Dr. Mike Higgins, Mary's father, um, but Mike has preached here at the church several times, and Pastor Mike is a, he's an ordained minister in the Presbyterian Church of America. He is a colonel and a chaplain in the United States Army. Uh, for the last, I think about 12 years or so, he's been a mentor and a coach and a friend and an example to me personally. Um, perhaps most importantly, uh, Pastor Mike is husband to Miss Renee and father to our wonderful worship leader, <laughs> Mary. But Mike, Pastor Mike has um, blessed us with his presence here this morning, and he's going to bring us a special sermon for our new year. So without any further ado, Pastor, would you come on up and bless us with God's word? I'm always astounded that when people hear me preach, they ask me to come back. I'm like, what is that all about? And I hope that the Lord really, uh, I thank God for Jesus. Uh, you know, if you know my testimony, I really, I met the Lord because of the St. Louis Police Department, which is ironic because when I come and preach, my brother Craig, who is a judge, uh, so uh, he, he understands one end of the justice system. I understood the other end of the justice system. I'm just glad I never had to come before him because that would be really embarrassing. Uh, but over 40 years ago, uh, running from the police, I jumped into a dumpster. Uh, and the policeman did not catch me. But in that dumpster, believe me, I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you are not trash. You do not belong in a dumpster. I really had no idea what that all meant. All I knew was I need to find a church. I went to a storefront Pentecostal church, uh, and you know, it was the loudest place I'd ever been. I mean, you know, and I partied. I went, I went to college, I partied. Uh, but there was something about the joy, and I'm like, I was, I was on another planet compared to where I had been to where I was, and, uh, but the Lord used that place, and, uh, uh, you know, I just thank God for being able to, for him to get some use out of me. I thank God for my family, for this church, for Eric's friendship. And uh, when he said, you know, we're talking about mentoring, I looked around. I said, maybe I'm not preaching today. He said, I mentored him. So, uh, but you never know. It's an honor. It's an honor to be here. And thank God for Mary. I just love Mary. Amen. I, yeah. <laughs> Amen. Well, let me pray for us, and then we'll, uh, I, won't, I won't be before you long. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that he that knew no sin was made to be sin for us. Lord, we ask that you would send your word, as Jeremiah said, as a hammer that breaks rocks into pieces. And we know, Lord, that that hammer is gracious, and it helps us, and it, and it lightens our load, and it tells us that you are God who loves us. We are beloved. Uh, and Lord, I just pray that this, this message today, this first Sunday, 2023, uh, will be a kickoff Sunday for some, oh Lord, who you are going to just increase their faith, increase uh, their love for you, increase their love for their neighbor. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the military, we have a thing. It's like when you get a letter from a military officer, usually an officer, they don't have a lot of time, depending on 
what their position is. So when you get a letter uh, from a military officer to a, a senior officer, the first line will tell you what this is about because you do not want your boss to basically be trying to figure out with his or her precious time, what do you want from me? So the first line will be, this is a decision paper letting you know that, sir, ma'am, I need you to make a decision. You don't even have to read the rest of it because the first paragraph will put the bottom line up front. That's what we use. Bottom line up front, keep it simple, stupid. Uh, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Because you ain't got a lot of time. So, Eric, I, just, I thought it would be good for Central West End to hear what I think is the main thing. So I picked Isaiah 53. I mean, I know you're going to hear some great sermons uh, in 2023, but I wanted to be the one to just remind you of the main thing. Not that Eric ain't going to preach the main thing next week. There's a, it, everybody can preach the main thing because the main thing is that Jesus died for us. He saved us. He actually is sitting at the right hand of God interceding for us. He won. So we win. You may feel like a loser right now. But with Jesus, you win. Isaiah 53 and 1. Who has believed our report? That's King James. Who have believed what he has heard from us? That's ESV. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. And that reflects under the fact that Jesus' ancestors were Israel, and they were a hard-headed, rebellious people. They were a people that told God, up yours, and God loved them anyway. But this is where our Lord, this is, this is his ancestry. If you look at the ancestry of Jesus, you will find all types of characters in his ancestry. Just look at it. And then when you see a name you don't recognize, try to figure out who that person is. Because he's got some characters in his ancestry. And he does not try to hide who his ancestors are. I mean, there's books written about his ancestors. I mean, he's the, and he, he comes from, from kings, good ones and bad ones. Kings who are adulterers, who plot uh, murder. I mean, he's got an ancestor who folk argue over the fact, well, was she an innkeeper or a prostitute? She was a prostitute. We've got people who are, are Moabites. I mean, folk who are, I mean, he's got all types of people in his ancestry. So this is his root of life the greenery of Jesus coming out of dry ground or a stump of Jesse. Jesse is his father. And so he is basically growing up out of a root of disobedience and rebellion in his ancestors. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him 
no beauty that we should desire him. I'm thinking when you saw Jesus, that little brown man coming to you, there was really nothing that you say. Now, that guy should be an influencer. Now, that's really impressive. Man, if you just tweet, I'm, I'm going to tweet a picture of you, Jesus. But nobody's, what's, I mean, does he even know what cosmetics are? He's just like a dude. There was nothing to look at him or to look at his life. I mean, folks, when they, when they found out Jesus was from Nazareth, they said, can any good thing come out of East Saint, I mean, out of Nazareth? See, I'm from St. Louis, so amen. I said, I said that with my outside voice, didn't I? Okay. Uh, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? It's like a nowhere place. Why would you tell anybody you're from Nazareth? That's like the hood of the Middle Eastern hoods. I mean, isn't he just Joseph's son? And what is Joseph? He's a carpenter. That's it? There was nothing about him. I'm going to read a little bit from John Stott's The Cross of Christ because in every message that we hear about Jesus, every message where someone gets up here and talks about crucifixion, they're actually giving you a message of foolishness to the outside world. You know, Eric said we got how we roll on the inside and how we roll on the outside. But anytime a person gets up and talks to you about the crucifixion, of a person from Nazareth who was a carpenter's son, and you're telling them that this crucifixion is actually going to be the keynote to the salvation of human beings, that's absolute folly. That's absolute foolishness. Actually, the word that Paul used for the foolishness of preaching when he refers back to 1 Corinthians 1, actually, it's the madness of the message. Why would anybody concoct the gospel and use some of the tools that the gospel gives us? This is what John Stott says in his book, The Cross of Christ. The Christian's choice of a cross as a symbol of their faith is the more surprising when we remember the horror with which crucifixion was regarded in the ancient world. We can understand why Paul's message of the cross was to many of his listeners foolishness or even madness. How could any sane person worship as a god a dead man who had been justly condemned as a criminal and subjected to the most humiliating form of execution? The combination of death, crime, and shame would put him beyond the pale of respect, let alone worship. Crucifixion seems to have been invented by barbarians on the edge of the known world and taken over from them by both the Greeks and the Romans. It is probably the most cruel method of execution ever practiced for it deliberately delayed maximum torture until a person had been dying for days. The torture was inflicted. When the Romans adopted it, they reserved it for criminals convicted of murder, rebellion or armed robbery, provided that they were also slaves, foreigners, or other non-persons. You didn't crucify people. 
You crucified non-persons. When Jesus died on the cross for us, he could have been considered such a nothing. I mean, there are probably people in our lives, I know I have them, who I just, I don't know, because they, they, they upset me or because they've done something to me. Uh, I wish that God didn't love them. In my life, they're just such nobody. I wish, I, I mean, Jesus takes the form of a human being because John 1.14 says, for the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. It's an absurd message of salvation. So what are you telling me is that God, who is the, the, the creator of the universe, the creator of the stars, creator of so many different galaxies. Just, we live in the Milky Way. It's massive. It, it is expanding. It takes hundreds of thousands of light years to cross the galaxy. And you're telling us there's like billions of galaxies. And you're saying that this great big God, His son, who is as God as he is, or as the Greeks would say, homoousios, for you seminary graduates, he, the same stuff, the son is of the same stuff of, as the father, and the spirit is just the same stuff of the father and the son. You're telling me that the son became a human being. I mean, I'm look, I, I look in the mirror at myself, and I'm like, he became Flesh. He suffered. That that son was actually, now he, he died, but he didn't like die the death of, you know, somebody important. I mean, he was crucified as a non-person. That's the source of our salvation? It's the foolishness of preaching. But the bottom line is, is that that's what the gospel is. It's, it's crazy talk. That's why this is a faith walk. We do not walk by what's logical or what we see, what we can touch, what we can smell. It may not make sense to a lot of folk who are really a lot smarter than me who have looked really hard. It, it doesn't make sense because it's not of us. It's of God. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Jesus is like us, but let me tell you, the, the plan of salvation, which is eternal. I mean, have you ever went somewhere and you had to wait and you knew there might be bad news? I went to the dentist's office last week, and they told me that what had to be done was, it was a small thing. And you know, Jenny, I sat there, and, you know, I'm just sitting there, and they said, this was a small thing, you know, you'd be in and out, you know, so I was cool, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sweating, I mean, I was like, yeah, I'm a bad guy, I ain't worried about no dentist, but then they got behind me, now I'm facing, I'm looking out the window, I can't see what they're doing, but they're, they're rattling instruments, I mean, you know, and all of the instruments, these are metal instruments, 
And they're just rattling them around. And, you know, and I'm like, okay, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And then I heard them say, well, we need to call in the uh, oral surgeon. And I was like, oh, my God. I started holding on to the chair like it was flying at light speed. I'm like, you know, and they weren't talking about me. But I didn't know they weren't talking about me. (laughs) You know, because... There are times in your life where God ain't going to tell you what's going on. He just told you it's going to be all right. And it, it may even feel like it hurt more than what he intended, but God knows what he's doing. If, if, if God says walk by faith, believe me, you're going to have tasks where he's going to put you in a seat, face you out the window, and he's going to get behind you and start rattling stuff. You're going to live through it, but then you, the next time you do that, you'll be like, oh, I'm kind of, I'm, yeah. I trust him. If he's rattling stuff, it's going to be all right. He told me it's going to be all right. Jesus knew what he was going to do for you. The father didn't get behind him and start rattling the plan of salvation. Ooh, he might use a cross for this. Oh, 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 no, no, you're actually going to have to suffer, son. No, you're actually going to have to hang out with like with 12 guys and, and most of them are going to be pretty much knuckleheads the most time you're around them. You know, there's going to be women who are going to help pay for your ministry. Uh, some of them are actually going to be sitting in a posture at your feet looking like they might be disciples. You know that, that Mary thing. Jesus knew what he was doing when he came into the world of that brown teenage girl she wasn't even married he just stirs stuff up as soon as you think that your christian life is like okay you know what i i got it's just gonna come i got christ in my life everything is gonna be all right jesus comes in And he starts rattling stuff. What what are you doing back there? What are you doing? It's like we sit in a, it's like we're in a car and we think we're driving. You think you're driving. Then you realize you're, you're not driving. You actually ain't even in the front seat. You're actually in the back seat. And you're, in uh, you, 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 you're in the car seat, and you're facing the back window, but you think you're driving. Jesus got it. He got it. Doesn't mean you ain't gonna see some stuff. You gonna see some stuff because you're human. Humanity is about stuff. Verse 3, let me, let, me, let me get in my heart. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hid their faces. It will get to a point in the life of our Savior where it will just look like a car wreck that you don't want to look at, or it will be he is so uh, acquainted with our sorrows because it ain't his sorrows it's not his grief he takes those on he is so acquainted with sorrows and he, he, he gets to Lazarus tomb and he just 
He just cries. That, that's a scripture. Just two words. You can preach that if you want to. What are we preaching? Jesus wept. And then we look at ourselves and, well, yeah, look around. Nobody's crying. Because I know what I did this morning. Jesus is the type of person that, as a, as a military chaplain, he's the type of person who was suffering so bad that even as a military chaplain, I did not want to talk to people like him. I, I want to hide my face because I did not know what to say. Have you ever walked with someone who is in grief? Who's got so much sorrow in their life, and you're like, ah. Oh. I just, I mean, I'm over 18. I should have answers. You got nothing. Because sometimes the Lord just wants you just to just be human. You don't have to be an answering machine. You just need to be human. And it's okay to say, I, I don't know what to say. That's how it was when folks saw Jesus. They, they just acted like he wasn't there. Or when they saw him, that's, that's too much for me. Because crucifixion is a mighty thing. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm taking you into a dark space so you can see how bright your life can be or should be right now. And I don't have a magic button to flick and say, oh, you know, Jesus, let me turn on the lights. I have nothing except this mad message. How could Jesus, I mean, yeah, he was God, but he was also human. I mean, he was actually God, yes, I mean, the word, the, the, the logos, the dunamis of God, the power of God. When God spoke, he was the thing that made what he spoke happen. That, that power of God, he, he, yes, he was, but he was also human. But what, how could a human being survive this? I'm finally getting to three points. I'm going to see them all in a row. First point. He knew he was beloved by the Father. Brothers and sisters, if don't nobody love you, Jesus loves you. The Father loves you. The Holy Spirit that's actually at administering and superintending the church loves you. There, it, it, there's something powerful about knowing that the Father loves you. There's something about Jesus being a friend of sinners. Jesus knew he was beloved. Out of all he went through, he was beloved by God. He knew that. He never lost that. Don't lose that. If you're losing it, talk to somebody who can help you find it. Have a Bible study about I'm beloved by God because some of us don't know what it's like to be loved. Not really. You got to pay for it. But you don't have to pay for this. You couldn't if you wanted to. So first thing, he was beloved by the Father. Second thing, he loved those who hated him. <laughs> that, to me, that point is harder than the first one, you know. 
Yeah, I can receive from the Father. And I'm still learning how to receive. I don't even know how to do that, you know. But the second one is, wait, well, wait a minute now. I got to, like, reflect the Father's love. No, you're not reflecting it. Uh, it's actually coming from you because the Holy Spirit is in you. You're not a moon. You actually are a living planet. Third thing is he loved those people so much. When I say those people, I'm talking about us. He carried their baggage. He carried their baggage. Some of us don't think we have baggage. We well, you know, don't have as much baggage as you. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I can go to the Christmas dinner with family because I know I ain't got as much baggage as, you know. You don't let, well, what about Uncle Joe? You tell the kids, don't look at him. Just look at me. Stay, not, stay at this end of the table. If you want some dressing, I'll go get it for you. I used to think that I had enough baggage that maybe it would be like a, a carry-on. You know, my baggage, I got a carry-on. I can, I can put mine overhead. Sometimes I feel like I can just put it under the seat. You know, when you start walking with Jesus, it's amazing how much luggage you need. Because <laughs> he's like, well, you know, I think you, but you know, maybe you should really get a bigger case because I'm going to let you know basically that you have enough baggage to fill up the cargo hold of a 747. And I still love you. God, I love you so much. We're going to work on the baggage, but there's more than you thought. Renee, just right quick, I'm going to ask Renee, get, get, get uh, actually, could you get five for me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this out. Verse five. Renee, read, because I'm like getting four out. But he was pierced for our transgressions. The but is everything he's gone through. He's gone through it because of us. Read it. He was crushed for our iniquities. Yes, read it. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Peace with God, brothers and sisters. It's an amazing thing for you to be here in Central West End in St. Louis, Missouri, sitting in the seat knowing that God has made a way for you to have peace, that you'd have shalom, mm. that you would be singing a song and be in harmony as we did. We, as Eric said, we say what he says, and we say it without being hated by God, without God saying, I told you so. It's just God saying, agree with me. It's going to be okay for you, but agree with me that you got luggage. Mm. And that I have been carrying it for you, and I'm just showing you what's in your suitcase a little bit at a time. What did he say? And with his wounds, we are healed. With his wounds, we're healed. Verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. Uh -huh. We have turned everyone to his own way. We have been seduced hmm. by ourselves. <laughs> you know, I think I'm better than you because I think I'm better than you. Something has told me I'm better than you. Well, you know what the other end is that? Something has told me that I'm worse than you. I either am better than you or I'm worse than you. But what am I trying to find? I'm trying to find that I love you. I love you like I love myself. Mm. But if I don't love myself, I can't possibly love you because I make myself sick. Therefore, you're going to make me sicker than I make myself. 
It goes back to that beloved by God. How does that work? It goes back to, uh, to, to being so overwhelmed with the love of God that you actually can, can love people in the overflow who don't like you, who do awful things. And it hurts. And the reason that you know it's love is because it hurts. It hurts. And then you sit down with them and you help them carry their stuff. What did he say? And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I'm going to stop right there. There's a movie, a book, that... Oh, I do? Okay. All right. There is a... See, I love y'all so much. I'm... Uh, yeah. So there's a... Uh, so uh, Stephen King wrote a book. It's called The Green Mile. And in 1999, it was translated into a, a movie. And the Green Mile uh, is, is really about a prison. And the Green Mile is actually death row. It's because that part of the prison, you know, where uh, you, you, you basically, this is where they would hold folk who they know are going to be executed. They send them to the electric chair that's called Old Sparky. But when you're on your way, to your execution, they yell out, dead man walking. Because a dead man, at least you get the respect of not having to be hindered on his way to the electric chair. I mean, give the guy some respect, y'all. Don't get in his way, dead man walking. John 1.29, John the Baptist looked at Jesus and said, behold, the Lamb of God. He just said, dead man walking. Only one purpose for a lamb, that's to be slaughtered. That's for his blood to cover the sins of people who are trying to get out of the slavery, not of Egypt, but of the slavery of sin. Brothers and sisters, this is a very, very absurd message. But those who understood it got it. If you have Christ in your life, you get it. But you don't get it because you're smart. You get it because the Holy Spirit has revealed it to you. And you said, I want to get that. You know, I thank God for Christmas. I like, I like Christmas, you know. I like the trees and the, the, the presents. And, you know, my sister-in-law, Craig's wife, made me a pound cake for Christmas. It's the only present that I really want. I'm kidding. <laughs> I love cake. Amen. I love cake. I love sweet potato pie. I love bluebell ice cream, homemade vanilla. There's a lot of things. Well, I mean, I won't do nothing illegal for it, but, you know, but let me tell you, the Christmas present of all Christmas presents is when John the Baptist said, you see that guy coming right there? That's the Lamb of God. He takes away the sins of the world. One Christmas carol says, oh, holy night, mm. the stars are brightly shining, 
This is the dawn of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Do you know what pining is? Pining basically means that we're, we're in sin, we're lost, and we're just getting used to the lights being out. We're just used to it. I mean, we're used to it. We, we're getting, some people get, you know, D-mans and PhDs and bachelor's degrees. We basically just get better at sin. We really get good at it. I mean, we got moves. I mean, whoa, that, that was a serious sin you just did. That's a 10.0. That's what we were. Human beings were just in sin and error, pining till he appeared, and the soul felt his worth. How many people do we know who feel worthless, mm -hmm. helpless, hopeless? They don't know they're worth anything. Every single human being on this planet and the planet also is precious to God. Jesus walked that way from that, that Sunday morning when they were saying, Hosanna, uh, help us, Messiah. And then four days later when they said, crucify this fool, uh, he, he knew where he was walking to. He didn't all of a sudden say, wait, I hear, I hear stuff rattling behind me. What's going on? He said, I want to say in uh, Mark 10 and 45, he said, for the Son of Man did not come to be served. He came to serve and to give his life for many as a ransom. Brothers and sisters, I don't care what race you are. I don't care what your ethnicity is. Your ransom has been paid. Amen. You're free. Now, you may need to know how to be free. Because when folks are enslaved for a long time, they have a hard time trying to figure out, well, how do you be free? We're yelling, give us free. We get it, and it's like, okay, how do you do it? It's hard to understand how to be free from sin. But I'm glad we are free while we're learning to be free. Because I would hate for God to say, well, I would give you freedom if you learn how to do it. No, you're free now. Amen. When the, the Apostle Paul says, for the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus. In, in 1 Corinthians 1, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the foolishness or the folly, or the madness of preaching to save those who believe. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for the people that they reach. I thank you for the people that they're going to reach. And we thank you, Lord, for the folly, the madness of this message. I'm so glad that you are a God who hates sin, but you love sinners. Amen.